Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Support comes from ServiceNow, the AI platform for business transformation. You've heard the hype around AI. The truth is, AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. ServiceNow is the platform that puts AI to work for people across your business, removing friction and frustration for your employees, supercharging productivity for your developers, providing intelligent tools for your service agents to make customers happier, all built into a single platform you can use right now. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Visit servicenow.com slash AI for people to learn more. You're listening to C103's Cork Today podcast. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. Cork's greatest hits. C103. And a very good Tuesday morning to you. And it's nice to see a bit of uh, sunny spells, even though they're not going to be around uh, for long. The rain is uh, on the way. And while we're continuing with the rain, uh, you can't help but uh, feel for the people in uh, across Europe who are still under this uh, extreme heat wave at the moment. And uh, a photograph, I think, that really sums up just how bad it is in Greece, particularly on some of the islands. It's a photograph of firefighters, I'm assuming, taking a little bit of a, of a break on the island of uh, Rhodes and you can just see the exhaustion on the men's uh, faces. They're just sitting on the side of the road and of course in the background you can see that the hills are ablaze and the reports that the tour operators uh, more than, have flown home more than 2,000 holidaymakers yesterday alone as those fires uh, continued and um, the, the new parts of the island of Rhodes have become uh, the latest to be Evacuated. The Greek government saying it is the largest evacuation ever undertaken in their country. More repatriation flights were due uh, today as the fires are continuing out of control in some areas and the Civil Protection Authority are warning the threat of further fires was very high in almost every part of Greece because, of course, Greece is one of the countries that is gripped by this uh, heatwave. Fires have burned since Wednesday of last week, so there'll be a week tomorrow. It's forced 19,000 people to have to leave their homes or tourists to leave their hotels uh, over the weekend. A fire also led to the evacuations on the island of Corfu yesterday. And of course, Rhodes and Corfu, they're among Greece's top destinations. And they mainly see tourists come from this country, also from Britain and from uh, Ger- Germany. Uh, for the next few weeks, the Prime Minister of Greece is saying they have to be on constant alert but I thought it was interesting to hear the Greek Prime Minister say the climate crisis is already here. It'll man itself, manifest itself everywhere in the Mediterranean with great disasters. Um, uh, this was after hotels and rest and resorts. Um, uh, many tourists spent the night at Rhodes uh, Rhodes Airport on the floor waiting for repatriation uh, flights. The first of 
which flew uh, overnight and from Sunday until 3pm local time yesterday 2,115 tourists were flown uh, home on 17 uh, flights but, and a, a number of flights obviously are going out empty they're picking up the people and they're repatriating them back to their own country but interested to see that Ryanair their chief executive uh, Michael O'Leary says his airline hasn't seen any of his passengers look to cancel flights uh, to Rhodes um, he says they're, they're continuing to fly now he is emphasising that the airport is in the, the, the that the fires are in the south of the island, whereas the uh, the airport and a, a lot of the resorts that he reckons the people that are flying to are in the north. So people are continuing to go to the uh, island of uh, Rhodes, and as I say, there's no stopping Ryanair cancelling any of their flights. And then the opposite can be said for the tour operator. Um, uh, Tui, because they've confirmed all of their outbound flights to Rhodes have been cancelled. They're sending out empty planes just to bring people back. They've now cancelled all flights until at least this uh, Friday. And they're aiming to do their best to get anybody who wants the, to leave the island uh, to take them and bring them home. And they're offering anybody who is cancelling um, that they will be offered full uh, refunds. Temperatures in roads expected to climb in, again over 40 uh, today as uh, Greece is now facing its longest heat wave on record. And the EU's Civil Protection Agency, they've deployed more than 450 firefighters in seven planes and they're sending firefighters. Firefighters have gone from Bulgaria, Croatia, Cyprus, France, Italy, Malta, Poland, Romania and Slovakia. Literally, the Greek don't have enough uh, firefighters. And of course, climate experts have warned that extreme temperatures are more likely in the coming years. And this is all due to the greenhouse gases emitted by human activity. It's heating up the uh, Earth's uh, atmosphere. And while that's happening in Greece and in parts of mainland uh, Europe, we're seeing here at, at home that more measures will be needed to drive larger emission cuts in this country. And this is a report that has come out from the Climate Change Advisory Council. Now, they're the council that offer independent advice to the government and they say, we here in Ireland, we're way off the pace when it comes to reducing our emissions. In this report, they've gone on to call for a range of measures that need to be introduced and they say need to be introduced urgently, saying that the country will fail to meet the five-year carbon budget cycle targets unless we have a dramatic escalation of uh, action. In regard to transport, which has seen its admissions obviously go up uh, following the uh, pandemic, the council are recommending that motor tax be redesigned to promote energy efficient vehicles and that the motor tax should be higher on any cars that are deemed polluting cars. They want local authorities in main cities to introduce park and ride schemes along all of the major roads. And they also want to, they're also saying that local authorities should reduce the number of public parking spaces. If you have less car parks, they're saying people won't be able to find a parking space so people will use the park and ride instead. The tax saver commuter ticket, that's a scheme obviously designed to get everyone to use public transport um, and the cycle to work scheme, they're saying all of those need to be uh, revamped and they also are once again, this is something that's been called for before, the introduction of parking levies at workplaces in main cities. That's anyone who drives to work and your workplace gives you a parking space. They're saying that you should pay some kind of a levy on that. And then they also looked at construction and the Climate Advisory Council 
recommends updating building regulations to increase the use of timber in construction as well as a greater usage of lower carbon cement and concrete. Didn't know there was such a thing, but there is. It says high energy data centres and by God, we have a lot of those in this country. They're saying they should be compelled to supply excess heat to local communities to support district heating systems. Now, that's a really good move because that potentially would bring hot water or air heating through an an underground network and it would be given to a large number of homes in close proximity to the data centres. It works very successfully in other countries because it's the one thing about these data centres because basically they're warehouses uh, full of uh, computers. The amount of heat they generate, if you can capture that heat and uh, use it. And they, the Climate Advisory Council say to achieve this, the government have been urged to look at other countries and see how they've rolled out district heating. They also say the next budget should set out a plan to ensure all social housing is upgraded to a building energy rating of B2. They look at far, the farming community and they say for farmers, opportunities for the rollout of feed additives for dairy farms. And these feed additives seemingly reduce methane emissions from cattle. They say they should be made uh, urgently. Agriculture remains, they say, by far the largest contributor to the overall emissions in Ireland with beef and dairy cattle mainly generating methane through digestion and uh, waste. They've also called for more power to be given to the local authorities. They say by doing that, they could help them to deliver onshore and offshore renewable energy applications and to do it uh, more uh, efficiently. I mean, they talk about how renewable the energy industry have long complained about the laborious process of getting from planning to execution. So they're saying that needs to be uh, speeded up. And the Climate Council's chairperson, Marie Donnelly, said strong leadership from the government is required to make the difficult decisions. She said they are needed to deliver seismic change throughout our economy and our society. But basically, that latest report from the Climate Change Advisory Council states we are a long way off when it comes to the targets for reducing admissions. 0818 103 103. Bernie's taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp to 086. Whatever's on your mind, tell us about it to 103 103. One listener not happy to hear that there could be any talk of increasing motor tax. It's one of the suggestions from the Climate Change Advisory uh, Council that the more, the bigger your car would be, basically, the higher your road tax would be. Texas says, Patricia, they won't get away with higher motor tax. As to be honest, we shouldn't be paying any motor tax at the moment. Why? Because of the condition of our roads. Fix the potholes and do up the roads first. I would personally arrange a protest in my area if I ever thought road tax was going to uh, go up, says a WhatsApper. Thank you for that. On delays to the Children's Hospital, Texas says, Patricia, Stephen Donnelly does not think that the delays to the Children's Hospital in Dublin are acceptable and he believes that there should now be a greater effort on the builder's behalf to complete this project. Well, what I would like to say to Stephen Donnelly is I don't find the HSE's waiting times acceptable either and I would be grateful if he could improve medical care for all of the patients who have been waiting patiently for appointments and treatment for uh, years. Uh, Well said, thank 
thank you for that. No name on that WhatsApp to 0862103103. And can I just stay with health issue and a kind of a, a, a flick back to a yesterday's programme and somebody who was listening to the programme, which of course goes out at night at uh, 11. And it's great to have our nighttime listeners listening to the programme as well. And that prompted a text to say, Patricia, I listened to your show on the repeat last night at 11 and I heard you read out John Green's account of the sad loss of his wonderful partner, Rose, and his encounter with the health services. John said they waited an hour for an ambulance to arrive and wondered if he had rung South Dock. Would the outcome have been every di- any different? Well, can I suggest that he please doesn't think like that? Recently, my elderly pa- parent took ill on a Sunday and we had to ring South Dock. We waited in total five hours and three phone calls later to see when the doctor was coming. It was absolutely horrendous. Imagine if somebody had had a heart attack, for, exa- for example. They would have been gone by the time the doctor arrived. And by the way, we don't live very far west in one of the faraway regions. Our nearest South Dock is 15 minutes away from where we live. I would like to say I don't blame the actual doctor who was on duty with Southstock. He was simply up the walls with calls. But when your own family member is unwell, it simply is not good enough. The whole system is not working. Uh, thanking you. Yeah, I really do think we're hearing so many stories about people with Southstock South Last week when we were talking about South Dock in North Cork, we had one listener speak about ringing uh, South Dock and waited all night for the doctor to call back and never got the call back. And by the time morning broke, they got to go in to see their own uh, doctor. But when it is uh, and when you don't know how serious it is and if it's an elderly person or the flip of that, if it's a very young child or if it's a baby and you just don't know how serious the condition is, it's a real, real panic while you're there either sitting waiting for the phone to ring or you're out on the road waiting to see is a doctor going to pull up in a car. It's a frightening experience for anybody to go through. Thank you for your text to 08. 862 103 103. Cork today on C103. Now, the Minister for Health, Stephen Donnelly, has established a task force to look into options that could enable pharmacists to extend prescriptions or prescribe medicines for common minor ailments. Once again, joining me to discuss this issue is Susan O'Dwyer, who's Head of Professional Services at the Irish Pharmacy Union. Good morning to you, Susan. Good morning. Uh, and, and you're welcome to the programme. Now, I spoke with you, funny enough, only this day uh, last week, and I've spoken about this with other pharmacists uh, over the years. I mean, y- your union have been looking for this for quite some time. I, are you thrilled to hear what Stephen Donnelly is doing? Oh, absolutely, yeah. So, as you say, we've been campaigning for several years now for the expansion of the role of the pharmacist in the healthcare sector in Ireland. And this really is an announcement that we think could actually deliver, I would say, maybe a revolution in community care. So really helps us to look at the role of the pharmacist, where they can contribute to patient care and actually look at how we structure our health service, where and how patients access care in their community. So we really welcome it. And when we talk about common minor ailments, just tell us what you're talking about there, where you feel you've got a role to play. So common minor ailments are things that probably all of us have experienced from time to time through our lifetime. So they're usually something that's 
not very serious, so we call it minor. Um, it's self-limiting, so it'll clear up by itself. It's not something that's chronic that you're going to have for a long time. Um, and it usually can be managed very effectively by the patient themselves, some self-management and maybe some treatment in the community pharmacy. So it may be that just some self-management and advice is needed, or it may be that a medication is needed. And generally, the medications we're talking about are medications that are available already over the counter in the community pharmacy setting. So if you had hay fever, if you had a headache, if you had a bit of injury, and some of these kind of things you you know these are the kinds of things that people go to the pharmacy to get um, advice and support on and maybe some treatments and that's exactly what we're talking about here the issue I suppose at the minute is that not everybody can equally access them so if you have a medical card you have to go to your doctor to get a prescription for a treatment if you need it whereas if you have the ability to pay you can go directly to the pharmacy and the other thing that also is worth considering is that maybe some of the minor self-limiting conditions that exist currently only have um, treatments available that are prescription-only treatments. But actually, because the conditions are minor and pharmacists uh, have that medical expertise, that treat that medicine's expertise, there may be an opportunity to look at what conditions we define as minor and therefore what treatments we allow pharmacists to supply in the pharmacy. Would you be comfortable extending certain prescriptions? Yes, um, so through the COVID-19 pandemic, pharmacists actually have been had a role in that, in extending prescriptions. So prescriptions typically would be um, issued for six months in Ireland. Through the COVID-19 pandemic, pharmacists were empowered to extend those prescriptions for an additional three months, so up to nine months, provided that they were satisfied that the patient could safely continue that medication um, and there may have been some assessments that they needed to do to determine that. So actually... Extending prescriptions sometimes is called supplementary prescribing in other countries and there's quite a few places worldwide in the UK, for example, be an example where pharmacists are actively involved in supplementary prescribing and that prescription extension. So we, we believe that as medicines experts, pharmacists could definitely do that and we'd really welcome the opportunity to do so. I did, and I didn't realise you did it during COVID so you've, and, and, then it, and, yeah. it's, and has it stopped? So we've done it through COVID, but we've had to review the, the legislative requirements. And yeah. um, so I think the idea with the task force here is to say, actually, will we do it in a more structured way? Will we look at the length of time that pharmacists can extend the prescriptions for? Um, and is there specific, con- you know, it may be that there's specific conditions that we would do a little bit more for. I don't know. The task force will work through all of that. Um, but I think the idea is that at this point in time that we want to review, the, all, all COVID-19 arrangements are being reviewed. And it, we're now looking to see, well, actually, what should be the standard practice yeah. um, and given that pharmacists have been doing some of this work through COVID and there haven't to my knowledge been any safety concerns with that and um, how do we actually move that into some more standard practice going forward. Yeah it really is a no-brainer and of course yeah. the big plus for this um, Susan is it will free up GP appointments. Yeah that's the idea so at the minute if people are going to the GP for a minor self-limiting condition you know, the GP can look after them and look after them well, but at the same time, they may their time may be better spent dealing with a more complex case um, or getting somebody in for a diagnosis of a condition. And this is about using the resources that you have effectively so that you've got an ability to look after patients in the pharmacy that then frees up some space in the GP. Other people that are in need can get in and they can see the GP. And we're all, we'll all still be very busy, but yeah. at least more people will be being seen and they'll be seeing in the appropriate place and at the right level of complexity, as you often hear people talking about. Yeah, and, and, and to me, another real positive is that um, patients surely, uh, in, in some cases, will get access to medication quicker by popping into their pharmacist and that could stop an ailment getting worse. 
Well, this is it, yeah. So there is the ability to have uh, these additional safeguards built in. So sometimes if you're um, a person who needs a treatment and you don't get it in time, then the condition, even though it might have been minor to start off with, may well develop and there is a risk that you're at more risk of harm. So actually getting that treatment earlier, you're absolutely right. Being able to access care quickly, promptly in a convenient location has safety benefits as well. And from a patient perspective, that's a very positive thing. Will any of your members be part of this task force, by the way? So we ha- there's community pharmacist representative on it, yeah. Great. Um, so the IPU as a group are not on the task force, but there is expertise across the board in terms of who's going to be on there. So there's a community pharmacist representative, there's experts in medicines, um, there's a GP on it, uh, there's going to be, you've got the regulator, medicine safety experts. So there's a wide range of expertise there um, and we feel very confident that they'll be able to look at the issues um, in the rounds and make very we would hope, uh, recommendations to expand the role of pharmacists in a safe and effective way. Yeah, And yesterday when this news broke, um, Susan, about the task force, one of our listeners was saying, oh dear God, not another task force. How long is this going to, to take? But they have put a timeline, haven't they, on when they want recommendations from the task force? Yeah, we're expecting to see the first of the recommendations later this year, so by the end of October. Um, and I think there'll be subsequent recommendations then in January. So they've put, you know, what I would consider a relatively realistic short timeline and we're very excited to kind of constructively engage with them now in this next process um, and work towards those recommendations later this year which again is a very positive step. Uh, and uh, obviously I'm assuming as well this could be part of uh, uh, of this review an opportunity to look at the fees that are paid to pharmacists. We touched on that last week. Yeah I mean at the You'll know that we have said that for quite a number of years now we haven't had any increases in our fees. We haven't had any reversal of any of the FEMP kind of cuts that were imposed across a lot of sectors, whereas most sectors have had those cuts reversed and they've had reinvestment in their sector. Pharmacy hasn't yet had that, so actually the underfunding will need to be addressed and I hope that will be discussed as part of this process so that we'll be able to empower any recommendations and expansion of the role that's recommended. OK, OK, well done. We'll, we'll wait to see the recommendations of this task force. And just before I let you go, Susan, one of our listeners, when they heard that I was going to be talking with somebody from the Irish Pharmacy Union, uh, said to point out to you that today is St James's Feast Day. Now, St James is the patron saint of Spain, but he's also the patron saint of pharmacists. Oh, very good. <laughs> thank you there very you much. There's a piece of information for you. Listen, uh, Susan, thank you for that. We'll talk again, but thanks for joining us. Fantastic. Thank uh, you very much. Good morning to you. Uh, bye-bye. That is uh, Susan O'Dwyer, Head of Professional Services at the Irish uh, Pharmacy Union. 0818 103 103. Some of your texts on different issues coming in. Oh, this is a nice one. Hi, Patricia. Just a bit of good news for you. I applied to renew my passport. I applied online on Sunday night. Lo and behold, it arrived in the post on Monday. Great service. I thought you were going to say this morning. In, um, he applied on Sunday. So obviously somebody got working on it on Sunday evening when you sent it in and got it straight in the post. And there's good next day delivery delivery service from Post as well. Well done. That has got to be by far the quickest turnaround for a passport I have ever seen. And then another listener is wondering, have any of your listeners noticed what we are now being charged for when dining out? I was recently charged for two of those, you know, the little pre-packaged rectangular plastic containers of jam that you frequently see you know if you if you maybe if you're getting a scone with some cream and jam or butter and a jam and you get those tiny little 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 portion of and they're very small portions of a jam anyway the listener said i was charged 40 cent each 
I needed two of them so 80 cent for the two little tiny portions of jam I know for a fact that those jam portions cost 10 cent when they're bought um, wholesale so that's a 30 cent profit to be made on every little pre-pack plastic container of uh, jam it wouldn't it make you wonder says this texter the employee told me that it's going to come to a point where everything will be charged for and yet it makes me wonder how the restaurants are so busy even though they would tell you they're not but if you pass any restaurant any coffee shop they're always uh, packed they must be making a profit but it's I think a lot of that is down to the cost of doing business I mean no matter how big or how small the cafe is the, the price of everything for them has gone up as well now I don't know when you're talking about the price of jam is 10 cent and, and then they sell them on for, for 40 cent. I don't know how they actually justify that. And maybe it's just part of the overall how they do their costing. But it is coming to that where you're literally going to be charged for every single item. It's sort of a little bit like, and it's been there always. You know, if you go to the airport and, and it always frustrates me if you're going to the airport and you're buying a cooked breakfast and they literally charge per sausage, per egg, per rasher, per slice of toast and you end up paying a fortune for a cooked breakfast at the airport. But it's a captive audience and they've always been doing it. And it does look like because businesses are struggling at the moment and they'll say that their, their margins, they're just trying to keep the front door open and their electricity has gone up, their gas has gone up, everything they're buying in has uh, gone up. But it is getting to the stage where every single item you're purchasing, you're right, uh, we will be charging. But has anybody else noticed that the price of the little packet of jam has gone up to 40 cent a pack? 0818 103 103, lines are open. Court today on C103. The imminent opening of a section of the McCroom Ballyvorney Bypass has ignited a public campaign to retain a temporary access point uh, which local residents and some businesses deem crucial. The issue has been raised at Dáil level by local TD Michael Creed and also Fianna Fáil Dáil Deputy Andreas Moynihan who joins me this morning. Good morning to you Andreas. Hi, good morning Patricia. Now just to explain to people outside of the area, it's the access to Carrigafuca that some people have concerns about. Can you outline what their concerns are? Yeah, you see the the next stage of the road is ready to nearly ready to be open to traffic and that would be the piece from Toulon to Carrigafuca. And once that would be opened, it would cut you off, you know, that windy piece of road up yeah. to Balborna. And for to do that to link up those two pieces, it would involve closing the roads temporarily for the weekend and diverting traffic into town and then removing a temporary roundabout that's at Carrigafuca and linking the two pieces of road together and then reopening the road to the east-west traffic, which would then not be going through the town. They would be coming out onto the onto the bypass, the extended bypass up to Balaborna. And what's, what's involved in that then is the removal of that temporary roundabout at Carrigafuca, which gives access to people onto the road at the moment. And that, that's the, the big concern, especially for people around Kilimarcha, Rainery, and West, who would have been accessing the Mons west from McCroom. They, they feel that they're losing out and that they will be further from the road. And they would have expected that there was going to be access. They're, they're very much taken back. That uh, that it's not part of what was signed up in the contract in 2019. Yeah, I mean the the the, the roundabout was always temporary. Everybody knew the roundabout was going to go, didn't they? 
I, I think so. I, I think for many people, uh, the expectation was that there was going to be some access there uh, and that it's as the construction went on ahead that the the, um, the, the realisation that, that, that there wasn't going to be access, that that temporary uh, roundabout that was there, it was far to connect the existing and the new road uh, last year so that McCroom could get the ease from the traffic late last year as soon as the, the new road, the new bypass piece was available. And that was put in temporarily and the expectation then was that that would be removed. But did the original plans include slip road access to Carrigafuga? Our, our understanding locally has always been over many years that there was going to be access there. Uh, it wasn't part of the, the contract that was signed up in 2019. And I think that surprised some people. And for many people, that realisation is only after emerging as the construction was advanced. Uh, but it seems to have been removed or designed out of it at least uh, back in 2019 when the contract was signed and at some point before that, uh, it seems. Yeah, I saw um, one of the local councillors, Ted Lucy, uh, f- fearful that big trucks might start to come back into McCroom. I mean, that would be surely a backward step. Well, in the in the short, short term, when the link-up is going on, the and that's over the space of a weekend, all of the N22 traffic for the few days will come into the town. When that link-up is done after the few days, that N22 traffic east-west would be going back out of the town again. The the fears that are being expressed in local is that trucks travelling, say, towards Kilimanjaro and delivering in there back and forth and, and westward, uh, people who would be expecting to access at the Mons, that they would be the ones that would be uh, faced with either going up to Ballyborn or going down through McCroom. And that that's that's the, the big the big uh, concern. And but also that people in Kilimanjaro and Rainery area that they feel that they're that they're not that they're losing out on on the access to the road and that they're being pushed further away from from the road. Um, when they would have expected to have access. Yeah, and I know uh, the the toy soldier factory that so many people visit. There's going to be a big problem there. It's it's going to affect a number of businesses. Uh, the toy soldier factory and chips, uh, timber industry. There will be a number of different businesses that that feel that they would be uh, impacted on it. Um, and, you know, locally as well as uh, businesses, uh, th- there's people who will be driving in and out to, to Cork who feel that they will be losing out on the access there as well. Um, like, they, they're preparing um, a, a, a petition to put to uh, Cork County Council on it for to impress on them the need for to, to retain access there. Um, I've been talking to the... Uh, Transport Minister Raymond Ryan on it and TII in the council as well. Um, it's it's a difficult push on it. Um, is, is it a cost issue? And what, what they're saying to, and uh, more recently again in recent days, uh, Minister Ryan has come back saying that it, you would have to be going back towards planning stage for to do a change of that scale. And similar uh, when we raised it with the, the council last year as well, they're saying, oh, you have to go way back to to planning stage for to to make a, a change as big as putting a junction there. 
Um, and that, that has surprised people who felt that their, the capacity had been there. And like if you stand on the ground and you look around there, gosh, yeah, it looks like there could be space there. Uh, would I, I suppose it depends on when it was actually designed out of it and, you know, uh, how far back you would have to go then. Yeah, and, and I was thinking, I know there's a, a change.org uh, access to Macroom bypass uh, that's up on online uh, trying to get uh, trying to get this sorted because it, it needs to be done, like, if anything is to change, it needs to be done now, isn't it? I mean, it, it would be too late once the, once the bypass is fully open. Yeah, the, the, the time pressure is big on it because it is, it is a big change that you would be looking at. Um, and so really like I know, I know some people have been talking about making changes inside around the Mill Street Cross in McCroom but I, I believe really the focus uh, for people in Kinnemarcha is if and Rainery and beyond Ballingary for example that if they could retain access there and when, when I raised it in the in the doll uh, with the future and with the uh, following up with Minister Ryan is to find some suitable access there because that temporary roundabout that's there at the moment it's not it's not realistic that that would be uh, a long-term solution there and you know it's it's a big change you're looking at on the, the ground there really and that that makes it so much more difficult okay somebody by texas the new bypass is a disaster taking away the roundabout not only limits access for those in between but there'll be no, there's no access for emergency services there's no hard shoulder so they will not be able to access any accidents without going on the opposite side of the road and crossing the barrier uh, somebody's certainly not not happy about the access uh, uh, issue and how do you feel the first phase of the bypass has it made a big difference um, i read somewhere the air quality in particular has improved. It's, made, it's made a phenomenal difference to, to McCroom and the wider area. People are able to, to go into town and do business at their ease, get parking. You mentioned the air quality. Uh, recent test results have shown how a 53% uh, drop in nitrous oxide, that would be the uh, from the fumes of the cars. Um, like that, that's a big difference and people would see and feel that as they, they go about town. Um, it's, a, it's given McCroom and the wider area already an opportunity to grow and that's, that's a challenge that, that McCroom will have to take on to identify its niche and go on and promote itself in a wider area. But getting those results there uh, recently on the, the air quality test, it was, it was great to have a kind of a clear measure of you know, something quantifiable. We've known it's better uh, and here are the figures to back it up, a 53% improvement in air quality. It's a measure of improved quality of lifestyle for people in, in the area as well. Uh, and look, um, the, the, the town and the area around has a chance to, to grow as well. And God knows, Andreas, people have waited well over 30 years for that bypass. Yes, there's definitely been a, a long, a long running lead into it. In fairness, and a lot of different people putting shoulders to the wheels, from councillors to ministers to TDs, local community groups, and so on. And a lot of credit to everybody who really put a shoulder to the wheel. I think now the, that it's it's being finished out and made available, uh, the challenge now is to you know let people beyond McCroom know 
about the wonderful opportunity that's here. Uh, you can come in, do your business, get parking easily, uh, better quality, uh, cleaner environment locally. Um, and, uh, you know, it's it's a chance for McCroom. Uh, and, you know, people, because this road is the, the main road between Tralee on in, and on into Cork, it's giving people a chance to travel east-west as well. Okay, and just to find a text in on the access at uh, Carrigafuca, somebody said it's an easy enough decision, an easy enough solution. Just make the roundabout that's there bigger. There's no need for an off-slip road that would keep costs down if it is all about costs. Is there any yeah. talk about making the roundabout bigger, leaving the roundabout? Yeah, I, I think the the idea of a bigger roundabout. You see, the the it looks when you stand on the ground it looks like the space is there for to do that and the the decision and the type of a junction that would be anywhere along that road is often driven by the traffic volume so for example uh, on the western side of it you have roundabouts in Tralee on the N22 and as you move on into into closer to the city the traffic volumes are higher and you have great separated interchanges like the, the one at, at Paul of Oan. so the I, it looks on the ground that there is space for a bigger roundabout, um, but really the, the type of junction would be influenced by the traffic volumes. So that's not being considered, is what you're saying? I, I feel it is. I feel it is a real, a real contender on it. Okay. I'll be clear on that. I, I feel it, it is a, a possible solution on it, um, without having to go to other options. Yeah, yeah. But look. Every option they should be uh, they should be looking at, it. and at the minute they're just saying no. Anything you're going to do there is going to take you back to square one and planning. Look, it looks like the space could be there. Why not take a closer look at what would be suitable and what would be designable in there? And it may not be as big a job. And that, that's where we're keeping the pressure point on the on the council and on the minister. Look at it here on the ground. There could possibly be something because really people in, in Kilmarcher, Rennery and the area west from the Mons, they feel that they've lost out and they expect it to have access and we're really surprised that it wasn't part of. Yeah, well, I think contract. yeah, certainly anyone who's contacting us, that's what they were saying. It, it's, it, it really has come as a big, big shock, shock because, you know, these are the people who I mentioned who have been waiting for so, you know, it's one of the longest wait on a bypass and then suddenly to realise that for a, a cohort of them, they're not actually going to have uh, access to it. It's, it's a real kick in the teeth for, for a lot of people, Andreas. It's it's a reasonable point, especially when there was an expectation there that they would have, and it really puzzles people as to why it wasn't part of the 2019 contract and at what point that it was excluded. Okay, and the next stage, is, is it next month it's due to open August? Uh, next month, the weekend of the, uh, the weekend after the bank holiday, okay. the 12th, 13th, the plan is that uh, they would temporarily close the road uh, for to to do that work in Carrigafuca and divert traffic into the town briefly, and then because they need to to, to link up the two pieces, they will be doing work on the on that site and then remove that roadworks and then open it at the start of the week so that that windy piece just up from the mount that people will be also familiar with up to Balavorna that that will be cut off. Yeah. OK. All right. Listen, um, Andres, keep us updated if anything else breaks on this particular story. But in the meantime, thank you for that. And thanks for joining us on the programme. 
Thank you. Uh, good morning to you. And just to remind you that uh, change.org that has been uh, set up called Access to McCroom uh, Bypass if you want to sign the petition uh, if you feel strongly about it and that the um, if you're worried about the current access to Carrigafuga, in fact, it will disappear. Change.org, uh, Access to McCroom Bypass. But some callers beginning this morning who are having problems with their smart speakers trying to pick up a C103. Some are saying that when they ask, say, play C103, whatever it is, whether it's Google Play or whether it's Alexa, it's not recognising the request. So if you're having that issue, you need to ask your smart speaker, whatever the name of your smart speaker is, to play C103 from TuneIn and that should solve the problem. Uh, some of the smart speakers are not picking up on just play C103 because there could be a variety of different uh, C103. So if you play C103 from tune in, uh, that should solve your problem. Oh, lots and lots of uh, commentary coming in uh, to us on a variety of different topics. Let me go uh, quickly to some of your calls and texts that are coming in. The condition of roads is what this sister wants to talk about this morning. Society, Patricia, all the TDs are very quick enough to come on to the radio when they need to blow their own trumpets. But in the name of God... Would anyone do something about our roads? Now, this is from a West Cork listener. The road coming out of Skibbereen on the eastern side of the filling station is an absolute disgrace, as is the road in front of the Chunky Chip in Clonakilty. I travel these roads every day, so I know what I'm talking about, and I dread to think what has been done to my car. Two local public representatives, Christopher O'Sullivan and Michael Collins, I wonder if they have anything to say about it. I often hear them on the radio and they're great to talk about positive uh, things but could they please do something about our road uh, conditions in West Cork. And then John was on about the IVF story that's all over the news uh, this morning but he's a bit critical uh, of it. He's saying the what Stephen Donnelly is announcing uh, he is against he's against the cut off age being 41. I'm assuming he thinks that that should be higher. He said what about people who may maybe go into a second relationship and might be only considering to ha- having their family in their early 40s. He's also critical of the, the BMI, the body mask, uh, the, the body mass in, um, index criteria. He feels that is discriminating against uh, any woman who is suffering from uh, obesity. And this is the story that the government, now they've been talking about this for years, but it's finally something they're going to do. They're going to pay for a full cycle of IVF for couples seeking to give birth under a new scheme that will be introduced in September. We only spoke about IVF actually last week on uh, the programme and it was one of the points that I made to to the woman who joined us who successfully had uh, two babies under IVF, even though she had a number of failed IVF uh, cycles as well. But I said to her about the cost of it and it can be limiting for some couples and she did agree. So it, it is great to see what the government is doing here, even though John reckons it is not perfect. Now, the programme will be available uh, to couples who do not have uh, children. And John is right. The woman has got to be under the age of uh, 41. And along with the age limits, there is also criteria around the body mass uh, index of women applying to the scheme. I don't know what that is. I I don't know the actual detail of the body mass mass index, but I'm assuming somebody who is... um, clinically or morbidly obese would probably be excluded. Cost also, and this one sort of disappointed me, couples who have a known clinical cause of infertility, they'll also miss out on the free IVF programme. And I'd love to know the logic behind that because, you know, couples who do have a known reason uh, as the cause for their infertility, many of those have 
successfully gone on to pay for IVF and have had uh, children. So why are we ex- excluding them from this free uh, s- service? I don't know. And the criteria for access to the scheme, it has been recommended by a working group of clinical experts. So I suppose if we're pointing the finger of criticism at Stephen Donnelly, he'll say, look, I'm only doing what the clinical experts have told me to do. It'll cost €10,000 uh, when it's introduced and they reckon that'll go to uh, 10 million euro when it's introduced and they reckon it'll cost 30 million euro for the following year. Couples will be able to apply from September with the HSE currently finalising arrangements with IVF private clinics at the moment. Under the scheme, women who have either no privately funded IVF treatment or have had one full treatment, they will be entitled to a full IVF cycle funded by the uh, states by the state. Now there was reports in the paper that you know a, a, a cycle can cost more than four and a half thousand euro but I heard Stephen Donnelly on the news there saying it can actually be up to eleven thousand uh, euro. So I mean it certainly is good news for couples who have been locked out of IVF treatment due to financial uh, costs. Is it perfect? Probably not and there probably will be a lot of women particularly that age criteria of 41 who will be hearing the news and will could, will, could be very very disappointed indeed. 0818103103. I kicked off the programme again today as I did yesterday talking about those really horrific wildfires in uh, Greece at the moment. Uh, Charlie in Whelan says we have been told to plant more trees. Yet Charlie says when he's watching what's going on in, in Greece all the areas that are going up in these wildfires are areas where there is a lot of uh, trees. Uh, he says where he lives in Whelan they're surrounded by trees and wind turbines. They're also talking about re-wetting and Meeling is surrounded by bog so he would worry if our temperatures went very high and we ended up with a heat wave and we ended up with wildfires would there be areas like where Charlie is living that could be uh, affected. And then Jared said Patricia on the uh, fires in Greece Greek media are reporting arrests for arson on both the Isle of Rhodes and in Corfu. Firefighters and local authorities have confirmed this, whether it's accidental or deliberate. Yet there is little or no mention of this on Irish media reports. You would think that this would be an important factor in reporting on the uh, story. And you're right, I've, I've seen it on a number of newswires uh, service how both the some of the wildfires on, road, on the island of Rhodes had been caused by arson and I know late last night they were confirming that the Corfu wildfires were also caused by arsonists and uh, who, who one reported who get pleasure out of others pain which is absolutely shocking to think that somebody would deliberately set fires knowing the pressure that the fire services are already under and, and you're assuming they're local people that are doing it. It's just crazy, crazy stuff. 0818 I was talking about here in this uh, country about our own climate um, at our emissions target and the latest report that is out from the Climate Change Advisory Council and they're saying that we need to work much harder uh, to drive down our emissions and one of the things uh, in this report out and remember the 
climate change advisory are the independent advice to the government and one of the ones they are suggesting that uh, a plan to ensure that all social housing so all of your council houses etc would be upgraded to a building energy at rating of a B2. A B well, that prompted the listeners to say Patricia I really am sick and tired of listening about council tenants having their homes upgraded. We bought our house over 30 years ago. Uh, who is going to upgrade my house? We're both still working. Uh, We've another year before we will be able to retire. We pay property tax every single year and yet council houses are passed down through the generation from one generation to the next. They do not have to pay property tax. Patricia, God help us next year when we retire. Do you know something? If I had my life over, I wouldn't get out of bed in the morning to go to work. I would stay in a council house and I would have no worries. And I don't know if everybody in a council house will agree with you on that. But I know and I can sense your frustration when you hear of people in a council house getting their houses upgraded and yet if you want to get your house upgraded and if you want to retrofit it it will be very expensive now I know the government will say there are grants there but you're still going to have to come up with a large portion of uh, the money so I know exactly where you're coming from thanks for your text to 0862103103 Eleanor and Carrigaline responding to the listener whose jaw dropped when she went to buy little portions of jam I'm assuming to have with her her scone and to be she wanted two of them because they're small enough portions and she obviously likes her jam they got up to 40 cent each she thought that was really really expensive Eleanor says you can buy a jar of jam for as little as 89 cent in some of the supermarkets surely in a pot of jam you'd get between 50 and 60 uh, portions and there wouldn't be a lot of plastic waste would it not be cheaper for restaurants and cafes that when somebody looks for jam that you have a pot of jam and you give a little container and you scoop out the jam, even if you had to charge for it. But it would certainly cut down on uh, plastic and would be cheaper for sure, Eleanor. It would be uh, cheaper. John says, Patricia, when people are giving out about the price of things, nobody ever seems to give out about the the price of drink it is dearer than the cost of living and nobody seems to uh, give out about it and when I mentioned about when you go to the airport to buy your breakfast how they charge for each individual sausage or a fried egg or a hash brown or whatever you're having yourself on your plate Mary says Patricia don't be fooling yourself it isn't only airports who charge like that I know many places in Cork that will charge you for example if you're having a slice of ham if you're having some egg some tomato some potato salad each individual item is a different price says Mary I don't know if I've ever been somewhere with all individual prices but according to Mary uh, she has 0818103103 on our health service and on South Down and on the pharmacies that we spoke about earlier. One person just on the pharmacy was saying when I was chatting with Susan of the Irish Pharmacy Union who spoke about during COVID that they were able to extend the the doctor's prescriptions. Chester said the extending of prescriptions by three months during COVID was uh, kept hush-hush for sure. Yeah, I, I, when Susan was talking about it, I was trying to think, do I remember talking about that? We spoke about so much during the pandemic. Uh, I don't know if I remembered that or not, that the pharmacists were able to extend you know, uh, people who get the very same prescription, you're just literally ringing the doctors to say, can I, can I, you know, you don't need to call in. You're just getting them to phone through your prescription. Uh, but that looks like one of the things that this task force that they're looking at, trying to get pharmacists 
basis to do more in the community, which obviously will alleviate the work at uh, GP uh, surgeries. And Jerry says, Patricia, in relation to South Dock and the shortage of doctors, we need to start thinking outside the box. We need, for example, to consider paramedics with an ambulance at each South Stock location. Paramedics are dealing with emergencies every day of the week. We might also consider the role of chemists to deal with many of the issues that they deal with like they do in the UK. Well, I, think, I take it that's what the task force is doing. Anything would be better than what's happening at the moment as many doctors will just send you to A&E in Cork and what a disaster that is when there really isn't any need for so many people to go. So many illnesses and sicknesses can be treated at the GP, but I suppose the GP is under so much pressure, they're advising people to go to A&E. Southstock, according to Jerry, was destined to fail from day one. We must all now see seek alternative measures like what I have been suggesting this morning. We have another winter coming and we need something up and running before we head into the next winter. Yours sincerely, and that's from Jerry. And a Killarney listener says, I waited two hours for or an ambulance but ambulance control did check by phone constantly to make sure I was okay the workload of A and E staff was huge being a Sunday it appears there was a reduction in staff so wait times were longer than normal but medical surgical care was exceptional at C at UHK I don't know if that is because it's a Killarney listener so I don't know if it's Tralee Hospital you're talking about or whether it's CUH anyway whatever hospital it was the medical and surgical care of the casualty staff was exceptional please take a bow the private system should be doing more and treating people in an A&E setting for people who have health insurance why not well, I think that goes back to Jerry's point we need to start thinking outside of the box 0818 103 103 lines are open C103 Jobs a TIG welder is needed in the Ring of Skiddy area. You must have five years' experience in a similar role. The number to call is 087-165-0527. Part-time lorry driver wanted for the West Cork area. You must hold a C1 licence. Your contact is Vincent. Vincent's number is 86 Construction worker wanted for general concrete and machinery driving. That's in the Canturk area, 086 417 And the Wild Thyme restaurant in Butterfront, they're looking for a part-time relief chef. Now it's to cover holidays and mainly Saturdays and Sundays. CVs please to emmer.quaid2005 at gmail, sorry, at hotmail.com. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. You're listening to C103's Cork Today podcast. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork Today on C103. The latest locked out of the market report published by the Simon Communities show that during the month of June there was only 50 properties available to rent nationwide within a discretionary rate of the housing assistance payment with nine areas having no HAP properties and one of those areas included ourselves here in Cork City. Paul Sheen is with the Cork Simon Community and Paul uh, joins me. Good morning to you Paul. 
Hi, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. You're very much at the cold face of homelessness on, on the streets of Cork. Did it come as no surprise to you to hear no HAP property in Cork City? No surprise at all, uh, Patricia. Uh, none in Cork City, just one in Cork City suburb. Well, there was a slight improvement in the supply of, of uh, rental properties at any cost. Uh, and I guess that's really a time of year issue. You know, students uh, finishing up for the summer and whatnot. Um, it came as no surprise that uh, just one property in Cork City Centre and City Suburbs was available within the housing assistance payment limit. It's been that way for as long as I can remember now, to be honest. Um, and there's no improvement and there seems to be no improvement coming down the tracks. Um, and like we, we do this just to give a sense of what it's like if you're stuck in an emergency shelter and trying to find your way out. Uh, for the most part, you'll be depending on the private rented sector for a quick way out. And that's pretty much closed off to you. And and yet, as you say, and, and I know you say it is the time of the, the year that there is a, a slight increase in the number of properties uh, to rent. But obviously the rent is so high, is it, that they're just not available to HAP people? That's it. The rents have uh, gone to such an extent now that uh, if you are entitled to a housing assistance payment, and even if you are entitled to the discretionary top-up for people who are homeless, um, when those are applied, uh, your the, those properties are still out of reach. You know, when we look at this report to another report we published a little earlier, uh, single homelessness in the southwest, uh, we found that the majority of people in emergency accommodation in Cork and Kerry are single households, eighty uh, percent. Um, a tiny minority of them uh, left homelessness last year, talking about 5 or 6%. Um, and for those that did enter the private rented market, about half of those that left, um, we found that they're still at risk of homelessness because the, the cost of maintaining their tenancy uh, is just proving to be too high. Um, so if you are lucky enough to exit homelessness into the private rented sector, uh, your journey out of homelessness is far from over. So it's a, it's, I mean, what you're basically saying, I was going to say, is there a sense there's no way out of homelessness through the private rental sector? But what you were saying, it isn't a sense, it's a reality that the, going down the private rental sector is not going to get you out of homelessness. It's, it's very difficult to say that out loud, Patricia, but that is the case. There is a real sense of hopelessness beginning to set in, beginning, I think it has set in. Um, I think uh, the properties aren't there. I mean, time and time again, people are telling us um, they're on websites like daft.ie every day. They're sending emails every day. They're not even getting a reply. Um, and, you know, for the ones where they do get a reply, the quality of the, the housing is, is really, really poor. Um, and, you know, to, to uh, take that up would even be detrimental to your health. Uh, but those cases are, are a minority. I mean, the opportunity just isn't there. Um, and, and that real sense of hopelessness is beginning to set in. Like, you know, to, to start uh, your life back up again, you really need a place to start and those places aren't there. Um, so pretty much anyone who's stuck in an emergency shelter now, their lives are effectively on hold. Is, is it a very chaotic life to be living long-term in, a, in an emergency shelter, Paul? Uh, chaotic might be too strong a word. Um, you know, what we found in that single homelessness in the Southwest report is that by the end of last year, half of single adults in emergency accommodation were long-term homeless. Now, we know that the longer you stay in emergency accommodation, 
the harder it is to get out because you become, you know, what what is termed institutionalized. You become more and more dependent, and it's much harder to get out. But like when you don't see a way out, when you don't see that light at the end of the tunnel, when there isn't that chink of hope, um, you know, you you begin to shut down. I mean, you can't go back to school. You can't find a job. And if you can, it's very difficult to hold down a job. In any case, you don't have an address, um, you know, that we we do take for granted, but you need it for all sorts of things. You can't, uh, you know, develop uh, friendships, relationships. You can't contribute to your uh, community. You are effectively locked out of society. And, and you know, a lot of people who are stuck in, in homelessness will tell you that they're pretty much invisible. Um, and, you know, to say that your life is on hold is putting it miserly. I mean, it really is at a stop. Yeah, and I know, I think the, the last figure I saw for people living in, in emergency accommodation, because everyone was shocked when it went over the, the 12, when it hit 12,000. And I think at the end of May, it was gone to 12,422 people requiring emergency accommodation by the end of May. And of course, included in those, are, in those figures, Paul, are families mm. who are trying to live out of a hotel room. And, yeah. you know, we're in the middle of the summer holidays. God, it must be difficult on families. Oh, horrendous, Patricia. And uh, just to try and find, uh, you know, activities to occupy children during the day has to be a nightmare. Um, you know, if if the mom is working, um, you know, that adds extra pressure. But it's a pressure cooker environment because you've got two, three, four people in a very confined space. And, you know, it mightn't be so bad when the weather is good and you can get out and about, but when the weather is like we've been experiencing in July, uh, you know, that adds a whole other layer of pressure on, on the family unit. And there is no doubt, and we've talked about this, Patricia, there is no doubt um, like we don't um, provide services for, for families and children. You know, there are other organisations better placed to do that, but we have no doubt that the children who are now stuck in B&Bs and hotel rooms for an extended period of time, that that in itself is a traumatic experience for the children. And, you know, we are going to see the impacts of that when they turn 18. We are going to see uh, some of them, at the very least, knocking on our door when they turn 18. Wow, it's it's shocking. It's shocking. Um, OK, let's look at HAP. If, do, does the level that HAP is set at, does that now need to be looked at? Well, it does. We've always said that it does. Uh, but there is a danger there of, of creating a vicious circle that you increase the half rates and then that feeds into increasing rent and it just becomes a... One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Support comes from ServiceNow, the AI platform for business transformation. You've heard the hype around AI. The truth is, AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. ServiceNow is the platform that puts AI to work for people across your business, removing friction and frustration for your employees, supercharging productivity for your developers, 
providing intelligent tools for your service agents to make customers happier. All built into a single platform you can use right now. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Visit servicenow.com slash AI for people to learn more. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Another, uh, you know, increasing uh, circle of, of rent increases. The problem is, Patricia, that the housing supply isn't there. Uh, it hasn't been there for a long time, and there's no sign of that improving. And that's really what is, is driving up the rent. It's, it's, it's a simple supply and demand issue. And the housing assistance payment is, is a state housing support. But if you're on a local authority housing list and you're at a certain income level, you're entitled to that payment uh, to contribute to your housing costs. Each tenant does pay a weekly contribution. It depends on their household income and their household budget. Uh, and when that increases, their weekly contribution increases. But, um, you know, the rates that are there at the moment, particularly for single households, but across the board, uh, come nowhere near meeting what the market rents are. Um, and that's been an ongoing issue, you know, for, for several years now. And, and there's no sign of that changing. Uh, but n- nothing is going to change till we see an increase in the supply of housing. And like single households are the fastest growing household in the state, and not just here, but across Europe. But there doesn't seem to be any sign of an increase in the number of uh, single houses or uh, single housing units uh, coming on screen. And until that happens, we are going to see, you know, single adults being stuck in emergency accommodation forever in a day. Yeah, and I was listening to uh, the teacher, Leo Varadkar. He was talking on, on a podcast. Actually, weirdly enough, the podcast was called uh, uh, Crazy House Prices. Um, he admitted that the housing target has to double to tackle the crisis. And, and the figure that he said on that podcast was that we need 60,000 new homes are required to be built every year. And if you look at the numbers that were built last year, there was uh, about 30,000. So, I mean, um, well, a little over 30,000. So he, we're not even halfway or we're just about halfway towards what our own Taoiseach is saying is needed to solve the crisis. Yeah, and like, <laughs> we really don't want to be saying we told you so, but that's something we've been saying for a considerable amount of time, Patricia, that, you know, even the, the housing for all uh, policy the targets didn't go far enough and didn't go high enough to meet the need. And, you know, we're seeing the impact of that now. We're seeing, you know, record numbers of people who are depending on emergency accommodation, and record numbers of people who are stuck in emergency accommodation, who are long-term homeless, and that brings in a whole range of other issues. And, you know, that is not going to improve until the supply of housing is there and it's the supply of housing that people can afford. And there's no sign of that changing anytime soon, I'm sorry to say. Yeah, because if you look at the government's housing for all uh, plan, which is the, the blueprint, they say, for solving uh, the housing crisis, uh, in, in that particular report, an average of 34,750 new homes are targeted annually over the next uh, nine years. So that's in the blueprint. And yet you've got the Taoiseach said we need double that every year. Yeah, yeah. 
And, and you know, you've got emergency shelters that are packed to the rafters, uh, bursting at the seams, literally. You've got, you know, private emergency accommodation, which are the B&B rooms and the hotel rooms that are uh, now, uh, you know, a fact of life. And that there are more people now staying on an emergency basis in those B&B rooms and hotel rooms than there are in, you know, the kind of traditional emergency accommodation. And, you know, it's it's a system that is, is bursting at the seams and we're, you know, not that far off heading into a winter that is probably going to be one of the most challenging. OK, John says, could you ask uh, Paul from the Simon community, why can't council tenants get HAP to pay towards their weekly rent? But a council tenant, it's means tested, isn't it? The rent? The council te- yeah, I mean, I mean, I think HAP is the alternative to, uh, it, it is a fe- effectively social housing payment. So a council tenant is, is paying their, their differential rent, as they call it. So it's a rent that's based on their household income. And it's a percentage of that, and it can go up and down as, as that household income changes. And the housing assistance payment is something similar, but it's for the private rented sector. Uh, and the tenant pays that same differential rent, but the housing assistance payment effectively goes to the landlord. OK, all right. Listen, uh, Paul, uh, we leave it there uh, once again. Uh, thank you for joining us and uh, continue good luck to, to the work that uh, you do in the Simon community. You do incredible uh, work. Uh, Thanks, three, Patricia. 365 days of the year. Um, we'll talk again. We'll talk again. Bye bye. Um, take Thank care. You. That is uh, Paul Sheen. He's just such a great guy. He is with uh, the Cork Simon uh, community, but that really does not bode well for people who are stuck in, particularly those that are in sheltered accommodation. And, and I also, as I mentioned, those uh, families that are in emergency accommodation, those that are living in hotels and uh, B&Bs. I mean, what hope do they have of getting out and trying to find a property if they're payment isn't even going to go near to covering what landlords are looking for when it comes to uh, rent of a property. 0818 103 103. Bernie is taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. Email Patricia now with your story or comment. Cork today at c103.ie today on C103. Now in its fifth year, the Mallow Arts Festival returns to its traditional July date following the disruption of the past two years and will officially get underway from tomorrow, Wednesday, and it runs through until next Sunday. Delighted to say that uh, Ty Curtis, chairperson of the Mallow Arts Festival, uh, joins me in studio this morning. Good morning to you, Ty. Good morning, Patricia. And and you're very uh, uh, welcome. Um, Is it great to have the festival back on the road, a full festival and back in its normal July? time slot. It is of course uh, Patricia, we had our first one in 2017 and we were really building and increasing the, the amount of acts uh, and and events that, that year by year and then of course COVID hit and 2020 just went by the wayside and 2021, yes we were still locked down during uh, our, our traditional July date but we decided to do uh, one in October of 2021 now it wasn't as comprehensive and then we came back last year uh, with, with, with literally the full festival but we've increased the number of, of events again this year and now we're talking about a five day festival with 30 plus events over that period of time. Yeah, and it, I mean, you've got a jam-packed uh, programme. I mean, I was I was amazed going through it uh, yesterday. Uh, and the one thing that really stands out, and I, I take it this is important for the committee, 
to try to keep as many of the events free to the public? It, it is hugely uh, important. We always say we're a community festival. Yeah. We're not there to, to make profits or anything like that. We're there to try and organise, to give whatever talents we have to the community and to provide the events free of charge. We have approximately 85% of the events that will be taking place over the five days. I think there's few festivals can boast that. Yes, and we're lucky, and, and, and to that end, as was Patricia, we must thank the local sponsors. Uh, there's a great appreciation within the town uh, of, of what the festival committee are doing, and our list of sponsors this year have exceeded uh, all previous years. Now, again, we have some main sponsors that have been with us from the past. Cork County Council, of course, are a good sponsor. Mallow Credit Union are one of our, our, our great sponsors. Uh, McCall of Placement Services, uh, who are associated with the West End Art Studios. Yes, they're uh, they're a great sponsor and of course we uh, Hibernian Hotel because so many of our events are taking place in the Hibernian Hotel and the Owens have been fully behind us right from the start providing us with, with all the facilities that we need so that's been hugely important and the small businesses this year uh, the, the list uh, uh, I, I didn't actually count the amount of sponsors that are there Patricia but apart there's from there's a huge list on the back of the programme exactly yeah. now they've all given something and even if it's only a voucher to that, that we can use on a raffle or something yeah. at some one of the events it all helps and it all goes to demonstrate that uh, the business community appreciate the festival and are united behind us and the other thing that stands out that I think a lot of organising committees will be very jealous uh, of the size of your committee yes <laughs> yes incredible. indeed every committee meeting is like a general meeting and uh, I suppose when at the beginning of the year uh, we had our AGM and we found that approximately 35 people wanted to be on the committee we kind of said well look perhaps over the, the year some of those will you know uh, not be able to make it or, or will uh, disappear but they've all been there right through the attendance at, at our meetings is phenomenal and as I say every meeting is like a, a general meeting but they all contribute something they all bring ideas and that's what's helped which is shape the programme which is brilliant it, it is we're very and, lucky and while there's there's people on that organising committee born and bred in Mallow there's also new arrivals to the town and the, they bring their own diversity with them don't they uh, absolutely and, and that's what we're very lucky with and there are many people that, that move uh, into to Mallow to work in the North Cork area and they seem to gravitate towards us and of course there are representatives from the various communities that have now called Mallow their home yeah. and that's great to see that they're integrating with us and they bring so much of their own ideas their own cultures as well Okay it's I mean we, we, we can't possibly go through the whole programme because it's too much so what, what can you just give me what you what you your own personal choices your own what you deem highlights from each of the days yeah, I suppose that that's a difficult task, Patricia. I was hoping yeah. that you'd pick uh, out. I, I, I've, I've got some of the smaller <laughs> ones. But yeah. you, but you give me some of the bigger ones. Yeah, I, I think one of the, the important ones uh, are, are the ones, firstly, in retaining the links with, with the local community. We're paying uh, tribute to two boy sopranos there uh, at two o'clock tomorrow in St. Patrick's National School that brought national honours to Mallow back in the early 1960s. And this was a huge thing at the time. And it seems to have disappeared over the Years, but but people still talk about it and remember it and we said let's do something to formally recognise it I think that's going to be important the art exhibition put together by Coleman Dalton in the West End Art Studios and the West End Art Studios has been our headquarters for all of this planning we're indebted to Christine and Willie McAuliffe for their help there and uh, that's going to be the most prestigious art exhibition ever seen in Mallow well, uh, it's, it's, it's really something and you have a big opening concert for tomorrow we have a community concert and tomorrow uh, again highlight 
highlighting all that's good within the community. Uh, you mentioned uh, Patricia. We have Cormala, who are over 20 years in existence, our great community choir. They give so much of themselves to lots of causes. We have Natalia Yevtushenko, who is a member of the Ukrainian committee, uh, uh, community, and she made her solo debut at our last festival, and she's been hugely popular at a number of community events since. Very accomplished singer, and we're delighted to have her. Noel Walsh, well known local guitar virtuoso. He's been in studio with us many times. Indeed, he has. He's with, incredible with, with, to listen to. He is, yeah. yeah. Uh, and usually he'd be with only he yeah. own, owners abroad at the moment, yeah. couldn't make it. But we have a group then, Patricia, for that one called Duke AD and Friends. That's Andrew Desmond, who teaches ukulele right through Cork County. And they're coming down, a diverse group from all the different areas of the city and the county and we're going to use that then to launch the Mallow Ukulele Group because okay. we've had discussions with the Mallow College of Education and they've agreed to run ukulele classes as part of their night courses for the autumn. It's a great sound, so, that the sound of ukulele is great. It is and the motto for the new group is you, you can't play the ukulele and not smile because <laughs> it's, it's, it's such a happy kind of event. So the plan is there that when the festival is over and night classes start we'll all be taking up the ukulele and, uh, okay, uh, so that's all Wednesday. On Thursday, all Wednesday. On Thursday then, the, the Amelian uh, Theatre is hosting, uh, is this a play, the story? It, it, it is indeed, and it's been a huge hit at various art festivals. It's written and performed by a guy called Timmy O'Mahony from the north side of Cork City, and uh, we're delighted to be back in the Amelian Theatre. We didn't have theatre last year because we didn't have a venue, and of course we're still, you know, waiting in hope for the development of the town hall. But I'll tell you, Patricia, we're more positive it'll this happen. year. It'll happen, it'll happen. It'll yeah. happen. We're more positive this year now than we have been for a while, Good. and that's all Good. I can say, and hopefully it, it will happen. We have a lot of literary events because we have a great uh, literary group and there's a literary workshop there uh, at 11 o'clock with Mary Bradford, well-known author. And I should say, Patricia, I suppose that the events which we had planned for Mallow Library, unfortunately, because the library is still being it's renovated, been, yeah. they've all moved now. But they're going ahead at the same time, uh, at the same dates in the Mallow Art Studios in, the West, in the West okay. End Art Studios so anything down for the Mallow Library go to the just studios just go to the West the End studios instead Friday then I mean the, the, the Frank and Walters they have a huge following I'm assuming limited you must be very limited on tickets for that are you? We are we're, we're, yeah. we're, we, we are indeed now we've retained a few we put uh, over 200 I think up online and we retained a few just a few uh, for the door on the night so people can still get tickets for it yes they are hugely popular okay. and have been for many years and we're delighted to have them in Mallow this year uh, as headliners I suppose for our festival yeah and then Saturday what's the biggies for Saturday the biggies for Saturday again I suppose is the other now Saturday is Children's Day so starting from the 10.30 in the morning with the Pied Piper Fancy Dress Parade for kids of all ages come in in your fancy dress there'll be balloon makers there'll be face painting there'll be free sweets there'll be uh, music uh, all of that Uh, and the Pied Piper I think Mickey and Minnie Mouse are coming as well so it's all fantastic for the ch- for, for the kids and then there's also a workshop for them at Me and the Moon which will when the parade is over they can go up and take part in a workshop working with clay children love to mess about with clay etc and that, that will be in, in the Hibernian Hotel that night if we uh, go on to the evening Anya Garman, Victoria Keating and St James's Church uh, two very accomplished artists and Jack O'Rourke then is our other headliner of course in, in St James's and I, I love the acoustics of St James's 
It's yeah, the, the acoustics yeah, are absolutely brilliant. And Jack's it's going to suit Jack right down to the ground. He'll yeah. be accompanied by a cello player. So oh, it, that's going to be a fantastic well, concert. Magical. That's on the Saturday night. And then Sunday, you wrap it all up on Sunday. But again, so, a full lineup. A full lineup starting at eleven. I should say also, unfortunately, the, the one thing on the program that doesn't go ahead is Karma's World in the Gate Cinema. Unfortunately, due to circumstances outside our control, that's not going ahead. Okay. Uh, but the underscore orchestra then uh, varied music again from hot jazz to Balkan music to Americana, etc. In uh, Okanas uh, and uh, Owen Jordan, Albert Lynch's bar, the music of Schlieve Lucre and the Bridge House bar, and finishing that night with a, with a great party a great high energy band from Cork uh, Dagnam Yangs there in Okanas okay. and lots of other things Yeah, and, and there's loads of other little things that are sprinkled uh, through it like tomorrow uh, Wednesday the smartphone film making workshop love yeah. the idea of that because we all have smartphones and we don't know what we're doing exactly so and when, when we came up really with the idea Patricia we thought well we probably need to do something maybe aimed at the teenage market but then sure we copped on that the teenagers know all these things there's the likes of yeah. us that need yeah. to learn yeah. what, what the kids Capabilities or smartphones and what we can do. And on Thursday, one that's one that jumped out for me is a porcelain workshop. This Por- is for adults. The, yes, it is. Yeah, and again, that's Orlo O, uh, Orlo Regan, up in a porcelain workshop in in Sharkastle. And normally, you'd pay seventy five euro to take part in yeah. a workshop. Yeah. It's going to be forty five euro uh, for this. But again, you can create uh, a masterpiece. And yeah, yeah, of course, you'll go up and you'll do the workshop with Orla. She'll guide you along, and then when it's all over, she'll fire it up in the oven, etc. And you can come back and collect it, and you can say that's my masterpiece okay. up up in the mantelpiece uh, after and, and something I, I love and, uh, and sh- I'm sure you've done it before it's on the main street on the Saturday the Lucky Dip Poetry the Lucky Dip Poetry if you're yeah. passing along yeah, dip you, your hand into the you basket just take out a poem and read pick it. out a poem read it and that's yeah, it it's and great. F- finally I know you're tight on time could I mention Railway to Greenway which is there uh, on the Thursday and, and that's being done by the Heritage Subgroup of Mallow Development Partnership and what they've done is there are plans for a Greenway eventually going from Mallow down to Dungarvan yeah, they've the looked way. at the first leg of it from Mallow down to Fermoy they, they, they've done some filming with drones etc okay. to map out the route and not only will you see where the, the greenway is going to be but they're veering off to each side to show the, the, the heritage well, uh, highlights on each on? side so you'll see Nano Nagel Centre you'll see the old viaduct you'll see lots of things in that so you'll get a great sense that? of to come that's on Thursday in, in the Hibernian Hotel okay. again 12 o'clock it's there for an, an hour uh, about an hour you'll be out of it for lunch then terrific Listen, and Tyke, and you you have uh, these brochures. They're available, widely available in town. And you can also go online, malawartsfestival.com, where the program's up online as well. It's fantastic. I wish you the best of luck. And well done to everybody, all the organising committee. You've put a lot of work into it. Thanks, Patricia. Uh, and, and enjoy as best you can. We will indeed. <laughs> Cheers. Bye-bye. Now, some of your calls and comments uh, coming in. And before I get to that, somebody was on about, somebody sent in a WhatsApp earlier about what is, I, I saw this over the weekend, it's a rather bizarre story that came out from a Dublin City Fall councillor, a lady by the name of Deirdre Conroy. And the story was to do with a series of emails and text messages that were released to the Irish Times from a young French law student who had come over to Dublin. She was on some kind of an internship, as far as I know, and she needed accommodation for uh, five weeks. So, lo and behold, she stayed as a lodger in the house of Councillor Deirdre Conroy. Now, obviously, the five weeks are up 
um, and after this French student has gone back to uh, back home after her summer internship she's released this information to the Irish Times and they put it up online on I think it was on Sunday but it, it's kind of it's a story that's taken legs uh, since but she started talking about how she was charged 260 euro uh, a week and she was told by Councillor Conway uh, Conroy that this that was very low rent and that she could have been charging 400 euro a week but the sting in the tail was that the house she was in the same house as the councillor you know she was just renting her a room but she was told that she wasn't to cook in the kitchen and that she should wash any plates or cutlery in the sink of the ensuite bedroom rather than coming into the uh, kitchen I mean it was just a really bizarre story and this young French student said for the five weeks she was here she ended up having to live on sandwiches and salads that she ate in her bedroom and then cleaned up her bits and bobs. But you know, to be doing, to be washing your plates and cutlery in your ensuite bathroom is such a bizarre thing, I think, for anybody to ask any tenant, even a, a, ten, a tenant who's only staying for five for five weeks. Anyway, Councillor Deirdre Conroy has come out yesterday and she's defending it all and saying she was just helping out this young uh, student. But the reason that I think this story has got so much attention is people may remember this particular uh, councillor. We would know a lot of the Dublin councillors, but Deirdre Conroy's name will be known because she came under real intense scrutiny over her conduct towards her tenants back in the 2021 by-election. There was Dublin Bay South uh, by-election and that by-election was because there was the resignation of Owen Murphy, the Fine Gael TD. He decided to, to step down. So that caused a by-election. And this lady, this Fianna Fáil councillor, she ran obviously under uh, Fianna Fáil. But there was huge criticism during the course of the campaign when it turned out that she had written a blog post. Now she had written it many years uh, previously but in the blog post she had been critical of a Latvian man who had she had rented a room to and she had been critical of what she described as rancid smells in her kitchen from the food that he was uh, cooking and uh, she had said that if I ever you know any more tenants in I'll be I won't be I'll be advised them not to cook in the kitchen and that's exactly what happened to this young French woman who ended up in total paying 1,411 euro to rent the this ensuite room for the five and a half weeks. So, I mean, that that certainly isn't cheap. That's a lot of money for a student uh, to be handing handing over. So she really saw the information to the Irish Times. The Irish Times, as I say, put it up on, on Sunday um, and, and, and it was in the papers uh, since and a lot of other papers have uh, picked up on it. Now, the one thing that the lodger asked was that she didn't want her name uh, mentioned. Obviously, the Irish Times had all of the details of her name. Well, the councillor now yesterday has released this young woman's full name along with a photograph of her. She put a post up on social media saying here is named the, uh, the, the, the tenant who told me she enjoyed being in my house. I brought her as a guest to the freedom of the city in the mansion house and I introduced her to lawyers as she was training in law. I offered her books and clothes. I drove her to the dart and she said she liked being in, being in my house and she said it's strange nonsense by a journalist at the Irish Times and I'm told I, I heard her yesterday 
she gave a bit of a car crash interview I have to say yesterday on uh, Liveline and she said she's going to be writing to the Irish Times so I'll be interested to see uh, what she says to the Irish Times but it just what, what struck me about the story when I heard about it I just thought about this young student coming to Ireland for the first time coming on an, in, an internship and you know you're going to a new country English isn't her first language and, and you like to think that when she goes into basically that was digs she was going into okay it was digs without food I, I appreciate that Assuming she put a coffee machine and a kettle and that into the bedroom for her. But and, and she had said that the last student who had stayed with her was happy to order a dinner from some takeaway down the road and, and eat it upstairs. But you just think out of kindness, wouldn't you be looking after a young French student and making sure she was OK? But I just think it's bizarre that anyone would rent out a room in their house and then tell somebody that you can't cook and you can't use the kitchen there seemingly she told her then that the microwave and the cooker was broken and there was some and then she changed that to say well the microwave worked as long as you held your hand against it which couldn't be the safest thing to do when when you're microwaving seemingly it was a very old microwave why she doesn't replace the microwave I don't know but on foot of this controversy that has exploded I saw the Union of Students in Ireland they're actually calling for urgent legislation to cover students uh, digs their president said we've been saying that God guidelines are not enough and that this story is a perfect example of why and they said that if you can't even trust an elected representative for a party that's in government at the moment to treat students in digs properly then how can you trust anyone to follow guidelines and you just be fearful because students are finding it so hard to find accommodation and digs are you know going into a rent a room situation because we know people are renting out rooms and they can do it tax free and all of that you think that you know more and more people might be going down along that line but you'd hate to think that anyone, a young student, would be treated uh, like that. Now, I know that the Thánaiste and obviously Councillor Deirdre Conroy's political boss was asked about uh, the story and, and like he said he was surprised uh, to hear it and he said people should be allowed the use of uh, kitchens. He went on to say he wasn't over the detail uh, of it um, and um, but he did say that um, out um, that he wouldn't, that that's not what he would like any of his party members. He said I know the Fianna Fáil I'm in and that's not the same uh, Fianna Fáil. So I think there's more certainly to run on this story but it is, it was just one of those crazy, crazy stories that it, it took I think got a lot of traction I think for the right reason because I think people just felt that this young student was being treated rather shamefully and you know while this councillor might think oh it was an act of kindness to offer a bedroom she charged well it wasn't that she was offering her a bedroom for free you know she made she certainly made money out of it 0818103103 and can I just say on the whole subject of housing seeing as we were talking about the locked out of the homeless uh, study early uh, from the Samaritans and then I was talking about even our own Taoiseach is saying we're just not building enough houses and this housing crisis is just not going to get better in the short or even in the long term if we're not building enough houses. We had a listener who contacted us this morning whose son is currently living in Manchester but is looking to move home and uh, obviously the mum here delighted that her son is, is coming back from the UK. So he wants to build a house on land which the family own and the family have owned this land for many, many years. Unfortunately, he has spent the past year and a half trying to get planning permission and it comes with the cost. He's already spent... Uh, almost 12,000 euro trying to get planning permission 
to build on land that has been in the family for many, many years. But time and time again, he keeps getting refused. She said he, she, uh, her son feels like he's expected to jump through hoops to please planning officers who she is worried have no intention of granting him planning permission and uh, thinks that that is uh, disgraceful. So we're going to throw it out there to see if anybody can offer advice. My first thing would have been for your son to go into the planning department and see, can he get a meeting with the planners and sit down and say, OK, this is what I've submitted in the past. Where am I going wrong? What do I need to change so that when you do finally put in a planning permission, it's everything that the council are, the, the planners in the council are expecting. But the fact that he's in Manchester, he's obviously doing all of his communication online or over the phone, I don't know. My other suggestion would be, I don't know where this call has come from. It just came into me here in the, in the studio as a listener, so I don't know where uh, where in the county that the listener is texting from. My other advice would be, could you go to a local councillor in your area and seek advice from a councillor? Because obviously a councillor deals with the county council all of the time and they may be able to point you in the right direction. But it is very, very frustrating, particularly when he's overseas trying to organise it. And we'll give it out to see if anybody else was in a similar situation situation or can offer any advice as to where our listener should be directing her son. But to have spent €12,000 so far and still doesn't have the planning uh, permission, that's making the house very, very expensive. And staying on housing, Ellen outside of Bantry was on to us to say that a lot of houses were built in the area where Ellen lives and she reckons the water supply in that area now is affecting everyone but particularly it's affecting the existing houses that were there before the new bills went in. She says for example she has no water today and this seems to be a common occurrence. Now she says there was some kind of a water tank that was in place but it cracked a few years ago and it was never replaced and then it was closed so I take it they were diverted then onto another water uh, supply. Uh, Ellen is a pensioner. She can't afford to sink her own well. She pays her local property tax She said because of the lack of water and the water going out so many times, her shower has actually burnt out. She obviously has an electric shower and of course if you run it without water, it will burn out. Now her neighbour, who is also a a pensioner, did manage to sink their own well, but it cost her neighbour €5,000 and Ellen in Bantry doesn't have that kind of money to sink her own uh, well. And she reckoned there's about 20 houses that are affected by the problems they're having with the water. Again, Ellen, I would be saying to you, get on to a local councillor to see if anything can be done. I mean, you obviously need to get on to a different water supply. Don't know what the issue in your area is, but if there's 20 other houses being affected by it, you know, if you could all get together and maybe approach the council or even approach a local councillor to see if they can look into it for you. 0818 103 103 Mikey's in Knocknaheeny this is on trying to access your GP uh, he's looking for an appointment with his doctor he's told him he'll have to wait four weeks to get an appointment God you wouldn't you wouldn't want it to be an emergency uh, uh, would you now we there's also someone else looking for advice I'm not going to give specific details of clubs or anything here because we're, we're trying behind the scenes to see if we can get advice for this uh, listener but a dad was on to us and it's about his young daughter who loves to play camogie. And she wasn't getting on very well with the camogie club that she has been in. And now she's been 
I won't, I'm, I'm loath to say throughout, but she's been excluded from the club. So what her daughter has decided to do, she's not getting on. She's under 11. She's a young child. She's not getting on in the club. So she's decided she's going to go join another club to see if she can progress her uh, camogie skills. But seemingly, if you want to leave one club within the GAA and move to another one, you have to get a letter of release from the club that you're with in order to then to go and apply to see can you join another uh, club. And this dad has been on to us and said he's having problems. He can't get the letter of release from the club. And as I say, behind the scenes, we're trying to see if we can sort it out. But is that a common occurrence that somebody would no longer be included on a team or with a club? And then when you try to get the letter of release, you can't. Is it, is it difficult to get a letter of release to leave one club in order to join uh, another within the uh, GAA? 0818103103. And hi, Patricia. Does anybody know when the Tallow Horse Fair is on this year? Does anybody have a date for the Tallow Horse Fair? If you can give us a call on that or text us to 0862. 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council, where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at corkcoco.ie. And planning is already afoot for St. James's Church in Mallow. They are celebrating their 200th anniversary next year, 2024. And people are invited to come along to hear the plans for marking what is a milestone. And they're having an event tonight in the garden room of the Hibernian Hotel. There will be a cheese and wine reception from half seven and further details are available by emailing secretary.stjamesesmallow2024 gmail.com Shambani More Bingo is on tonight in the community centre the jackpot there is €2,100 and it's in 45 calls are less Churchtown South Community Council they're holding their inaugural four mile road race on this Thursday at 8pm you can call 086-815-9043 to book. Our entries will also be taken on the night with refreshments served afterwards in the hall. And West Cork Autism Support Group, they're holding an autism event this Thursday in Clonakilty GAA Complex. It'll start at half past seven. Speakers include a clinical psychologist, an occupational therapist and a play therapist. The aim of the event is for parents to learn ways to support their child and it would also give them the opportunity to meet other parents with children on the spectrum. Now, entry is free. There'll be a raffle on the night with great prizes and all proceeds raised will go towards the autism class uh, in the local national school. More details on the West Cork Autism Support Group on Facebook. Cork Today on C103. And someone is just offering advice to the listener whose uh, little girl wants to go from one camogie club to another. For the release of a player within the GAA, you do need this letter of release that for some reason the camogie club won't won't give this child. Or you can wait until the current season is over. OK, so there's another way of doing it without getting the letter of release. And as I say, we are looking into into the background uh, are trying to get some help uh, on that one uh, as well. And the Tallow Horse Fair is on the 4th of September. Is it a Monday or a Wednesday? I'm getting Bernie to uh, check. It's Sunday. <laughs> OK, I had one listener saying it was a Wednesday. I had another listener saying it was a Monday and Bernie has checked. No, it's the 4th of September, I'm told. I'm told Monday the 4th of September or Sunday the 3rd. OK, can I, I need to get clarification on that. I have two different dates uh, there, but it's at the start of September. Anyway, we'll wait for confirmation on that and we will get back to you. Uh, Patricia, on that student story, can I just say I had a student in our house for four years never ever 
again. That's a long time to have the student, but I'm assuming uh, the student was allowed to use the kitchen. Um, it's a very different to what's going on here. This was a very short term letter. It was for an internship. And on, Patricia, you were on earlier about people, the amount of people that are living in emergency uh, accommodation. Uh, there was nothing about the refugees, but how come they, the government can build modular houses for refugees, yet our own homeless have been abandoned. I'm in an estate in Bandon. There are four empty houses. Why can't the council turn them around and hand them out? Instead, they're ripping them out and doing them all up again. And by the way, says this texter, three of them have been empty since last year. I thought we were gone past the voids, as they're called. I thought we were gone well past that, that they were turning those houses around uh, really quickly. Now, I do know that they have to... um, I do know a lot of work has to go into it for some houses, but we've heard over the years of people who moved out of houses, council houses, and said they left them in pristine condition and still the council had to go in and do work. Um, do Well, the council say they have to go back in and do work uh, on them and it has taken endless months, years sometime uh, to actually rent out a house again, which is really, really frustrating when you have nearly... 12,500 people living in hotels and living in B&Bs, people who, you know, desperately want to get their hands on a key to a council house. OK, I'm told uh, for sure from Margaret, who is very much in the know and actually lives in uh, Tallow, that the, uh, the Tallow Horse Fair is definitely on Monday, the 4th of September. OK, thank you for that. So Monday, the 4th of uh, September. Thank you for that. Cinema, I don't know how many people have been back to the cinema, uh, but it looks, certainly it's boding well after last weekend. There seemed to be so much talk about cinema at the weekend. Had a lot to do with two movies, one movie in particular, which of course was the Barbie uh, movie. And last weekend, this was Friday, Saturday and Sunday, Irish cinemas took in nearly 40 million euro. Isn't that incredible? Over one uh, weekend. Now, the it, it's, it was driven by just two movies, uh, the Barbie movie and the other one that I'm looking forward to seeing as well, the uh, Oppenheimer. And between them, they accounted for over three quarters of all ticket sales last weekend. Barbie took in just under 2.1 million in the first three days in Irish cinemas and I'm now told that that's the highest opening for any movie so far this year and sales for um, Oppenheim, Oppenmeyer uh, which of course has our own Irish actor Killian Murphy that reached over 1.1 million during that same the first uh, three days uh, the two films which were both released last Friday and obviously they drew attention for widely differing tones you've got Barbie is a fantasy comedy which is all around the very popular Barbie doll and it is by Greta Gerwig and of course Greta Gerwig was the one who did that fantastic movie Little Women and of course Little Women was the one where our own Saoirse Ronan earned an Oscar nomination whereas Oppenheimer is a bio it's a biographical drama that's directed by uh, Christopher Nolan and that's about the pharmacist J. Robert Oppenheimer and he was one of the ones who helped to develop the world's first nuclear weapon. And both films have received excellent reviews. 
all and also set records on the international box office and they were pitched as the unlikely double feature. Barbie, for example, worldwide took in $337 million worthwhile uh, worldwide just on the opening weekend and Oppenheimer recorded sales of $174 million on the opening at weekend. And Alice Black is head of film programming at Dublin's Lighthouse Cinema and she said it was the best weekend for cinema since the pandemic and she said it was a real joy to see people coming back into the cinema and a lot of people got really into it. I know loads of people that went along to Barbie for example got all dressed up in pink. There was lots of pictures on the paper of uh, entire cinemas with people bedecked in uh, pink and of course many cinemas have struggled since the pandemic because a lot of audiences were slow to return once the COVID restrictions were eased. However, the box office has been boosted now by several big uh, hits uh, this year. I mean, obviously, there's these two from last weekend. And then already earlier on, there was the Super Mario Brothers uh, movie uh, that took in more than 1.35 billion earlier on this year. So it looks like it is going to be a good, good year for the cinemas and it's the, the return of the cinemas uh, which is uh, terrific. Now I have to say there are two movies I want to see. I haven't seen either of them yet. I'm particularly interested in the Barbie movie. Any of the trailers I've seen look absolutely delightful. Now I've spoken to people who have gone along. Children are absolutely adoring it. Particularly if you've got a girl of that age who's into Barbie dolls at the moment. It must be just magical uh, for them. I've heard from some people saying, some of the adults saying it's a little bit overrated but I suppose it is Barbie. It is, you know, it is for uh, children uh, but certainly it is seen these two movies together have uh, seen a massive massive return to the cinema 0818 103 103 Bernie's taking your calls you can text her WhatsApp to 0862 103 103 Court today on C103 And a listener's just popped in a text wanting to know does anybody know is there a car boot sale on in the Liscarrel area on next Friday afternoon is anybody aware of a car boot sale in Liscarrel on Friday if so can you let us know the time please one of our listener, uh, listeners obviously interested in attending Joe Heffernan joins me good afternoon to you Joe good afternoon uh, and I was glad to read you, your email to see what you what you're going to be discussing today which is uh, stress because it was only a conversation actually I was having at the weekend with some friends of ours and we were just talking about the, the amount of people that are talking about stress and stressful lives and I don't know whether it started during the pandemic with the lockdowns and everything that the pandemic brought with it but the, a lot of people are battling stress at the moment. Absolutely. I, I mean, you turn on the radio and on the, uh, and on the television and you wonder, well, when is the world going to end? Um, you turn to another channel and you're wondering, when will the war in Ukraine end? Um, you turn to a newspaper and you see about the cost of living crisis. And then you read about homelessness and um, younger people are, you know, they're in a tough old world now. Very much so. So, yeah, stress is um, endemic in our society now. And I think that's why it gets mentioned so often, and rightly so. Um, yeah, so. So, so. so what you want to talk about uh, today are just some suggestions for people who you know, may just feel at the moment that everything seems to be a bit stressful and, you know, the, their life has become much more stressful than it was in the past. So you've got kind of some tips that just might be able to help people. 
Yeah, and and I think for most people now, they won't be hearing anything um, absolutely new. Um, but the old um, established um, uh, uh, methods of dealing with stress <clears throat> absolutely work. Because, um, you know, I, I, I would have mentioned in my own work, I, I'd say hundreds of times, that anxiety is in the body, not in the mind. So that if you can calm the body, the mind will follow. And a lot of people are quite surprised by that. Um, and they realize that kind of uh, repeating calm down, calm down, actually can make things worse. Um, so that it's a physical thing. Um, and of course, um, uh, you know, it wouldn't be the first time that you've heard me saying about um, about breathing. Um, and, uh, you know, a, a simple method, um, you know, uh, to breathe in through the nose for a few seconds, letting the breath go deep down into the belly. That's very important. If it only goes as far as the chest, well, then... Um, that won't be uh, helpful. Um, and, and you know that by which part expands. If your chest expands when you breathe in, you're breathing to your chest. If your tummy expands when you breathe in, you're breathing to your tummy. Um, a simple analogy being if you blew into a balloon, it would expand. So that's important, to breathe in through the nose down to the, the tummy. And then hold for a few seconds, and then exhale through the mouth, um, and uh, and repeat. Um, that does work. Um, uh, I find it works anyway. Yeah, um, I, and I, listen, I've picked up this tip from you because you, you've you've shared that with us so many times uh, over the years. And and you find that if you get into a stressful situation, you know, even if you're sitting in the car and you're getting really frustrated because you're you know you're stuck in traffic or whatever, I've often done that. Your Joe's breathing technique, and you yeah. can actually feel it because you can feel your shoulders. That tension that was in your shoulders that you didn't realise was there, you can even feel that relax. You can feel the shoulders yeah. go down. Yeah. Absolutely. As you exhale through the mouth, shoulders down. Yeah. And um, I notice now I would have been glued um, to the uh, the Open Golf uh, last weekend. And, um, you know, I, I noticed so many of the golfers um, in the preparation for taking a shot would be doing exactly that. You could see them do it, yeah. You could see the yeah. the, 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 the deep breathing prior to taking the shot, yeah. Are you a fan of mindfulness? Very much so. Because, like, in a way, I mean, um, there's no mystery to mindfulness. What we've just described there with the breathing, well, that's mindfulness because you're aware of what you're doing when you're doing it. Like, the thought process with the breathing can be I'm breathing in, I'm holding, I'm breathing out. Um, and uh, being aware of what you're doing when you're doing it, whether it is making a cup of tea, uh, whether it is um, uh, uh, out for a walk, which um, I'm very proud to say. Um, I had a nice walk this morning. Well Probably not much with a kilometre, but, um, you know, uh, it, it, does, it does my head and my hip 
Um, uh, and the world of good. good, yeah, yeah. Well, that's so, where exercise. Like, that's where exercise is, is is so important. And and yet you'll hear people say, "Oh, I, I'm too stressed at the moment. I have too much going on. I, I I can't exercise." And if they can take that time to get out and like that, even a walk, a jog, whatever it is, it will make all the difference. It will. And the one absolute certainty I have found is that when you get back after your walk you're going to be feeling better because if it was only a little congratulatory pat on the back, it was, I didn't feel like going, but I went. And I suppose in a lot of these um, things in life, Patricia, uh, we need to challenge ourselves. You know, um, somebody said to me, oh, it must have been 50 years ago, if you want to find the enemy, Joe, look in the mirror. And that person was correct. And the person I needed to take on was me. And, um, and that very, very often means doing something that you don't feel like doing, but you know that it's going to do you uh, good afterwards. To do you good. Yeah, yeah. 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 And obviously so, diet. We all, we all, again, a lot of these are, are common sense. If you're eating a healthy diet, it will help. It will indeed. It will indeed. Now, I'd be, um, I, I have to admit, um, I'd be... Mm, fond of um, uh, you know sweets and um, uh, but I, at least I have given up any drinks that have um, that are you know sugar based. Um, yeah. uh, I, I've I've given up those. In fact, um, uh, I, I'm glad to say that recently I'm aware of and am doing it uh, drinking water. Yeah. Um, I, I I was um, not good at that at all. It's a great you know? thing if you can so get into it. diet is very yeah. important. Yeah. yeah. And uh, drinking of water is, and drinking, I think it's a, it's a litre and a half a day you should try to aim for. You don't have to do it, but if you can aim for a, a litre and a half a day, but just get, it's to get into the habit of it. Because I, I find at work during the day, I, I would drink a litre and a half. But then the weekend when I'm not at work, I, I find I don't do it. But it's, 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 it's a routine. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It, it is routine. Now, gentle with yourself. Yeah. You know, to to uh, I I'd often say to a person I I, I was working with, um, you know, what would you say now if that was a good friend, and they told you what you just told me, and the answer to that would almost um, invariably be uh, something kind, mm. whereas the the something kind sometimes doesn't work with ourselves. We can be quite hard. We can be saying, oh, you were an idiot to do that. And um, we wouldn't dream of saying that to someone else. We'd be much more understanding and caring. Yeah. 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 We, we need to be gentle with ourselves and we need to be forgiving. That, um, you know, we don't always get it right. And I think as we get older, we realise that we don't always get, get it right. Yeah. 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 But be kind and be forgiving. Uh, yeah. gre- gre- uh, green areas, is this to, to get out into green areas? Is that what you're talking about? I think it's been proven, um, you know, with the people who do these statistical surveys, that um, time spent in green areas is good for the soul, good for the mind, good for the body. Um, that there's something soothing and um, uh, there's a recharge in, I suppose it's combining with the natural world. Um, you know, we often hear of a term like the, the concrete jungle. Mm. And um, if we're in a city or a town, um, almost all the time, we don't see much green areas. But 
we seem to be a good country for an awareness of having green areas. Um, where you live yourself there in Mallow, the park, and, you know, there are places that people go um, or walk by the river. Um, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's good for the soul. Yeah, um, and, and people who, um, who listen, in, in West Cork, who've got the sea as well combined with it. Yes. I mean, and, and listen, I remember during the pandemic when we were talking, remember when we couldn't go uh, two kilometres yes. beyond our, our homes and we were saying we were lucky uh, that we lived in more rural, people in more rural, rural areas, you were able to get out and about. And we spoke about people who lived in high-rise apartments in the city and we felt sympathy for them that they were oh, stuck in these concrete uh, jungles. So get out and find that green uh, space. Yeah. And, and taking time out, me time. Me time taking is important. Taking time out. Like, for example, now... Um, uh, we'll come to a thing there later, maybe of something to look forward to. Well, with the time out now, I've had good reports on the Killian Murphy film um, Oppenheimer. Yeah, I was only talking and, about uh, it a minute ago. Yeah, it looks great. All right, looks right. great. Well, now I that's on my um, list for maybe not next weekend, definitely by the weekend after, um, and I'm looking forward to that. You know. Um, Maybe um, a, a bit of grub out and then, um, you know, head into the cinema. Um, OK, it's not a big, big, big deal, um, but um, that to me would be a very desirable treat. Yeah, I'd love that. Yeah, it's still, um, it's yeah. Been, it doesn't have to be the big elaborate going to a five star, you know, luxury spa for the weekend. Gorgeous if you can do that and afford it. But it can be small things that, 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 that you can do. It can even be, you know, a, a box set that you, you sit at home and, and watch on TV. Just something Absolutely. that you something that you just do um, uh, for you. Now you talk yeah. about or organize. Well, I suppose, like um, uh, <laughs> in my life, anyway, things can occasionally go haywire, and um, you know, to be able to kind of take a breath, as we'd say, a calm down, and um, and uh, and see, um, uh, you know, say, look, the world isn't about to end in the next five minutes, but um, maybe to you know, take a breath, calm down. Um, our our grandchild now, um, uh, Ken's little boy, he's seven, uh, Dylan. He's coming to visit with us for a few days um, on uh, next Thursday. And, um, you know, I'd imagine things will go a little bit well here and there. But, um, yeah, I am a bit stressed about it. Mary's a bit stressed about it. We want him to have a good time. And... Um, and he you will, know, and and he will. I think we. I we, hope. Yeah, so. I think we overthink things, uh, and Maybe he that's will. True. And that's where we're we're talking about organize and and prioritize. Yeah. Now, I want a one that I absolutely one hundred percent agree with is humor will save you. A good yeah. laugh is. Yeah. There's something yeah. wonderful about it. And even that old black humor, I I'd be very into that now. That I mean, when things are to use the same phrase again, going here well, um, you know to. To find something to laugh at in it, uh, even to laugh at one's own re- reaction, you know, mm. um, uh, you know, uh, 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 all all we need now is, um, you know, um, the 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 nuclear war to take off. That would just about cap it. And um, here, you know, um, hopefully it won't. Like, but um, uh, to you know, something nonsensical, something kind of outrageous. And um, 
and and to have a smile, to have a laugh. Yeah, it's all know? it's all like we all have friends who are very funny, and you love yeah. you love being around them because you know you're going to come away, you know, almost pain in your side from laughing, and you you just you, you feel better. Yeah, as yeah. these these serenity prayer, which is brilliant. Like I mean, um, do what you can and let go of what you can't. It's as simple as that. Now, if we could go by that day by day, we'd we'd be in a very good place. Um, you know, the serenity to accept the things we cannot change, the courage to change the things we can. That might be something simple, like make a phone call, send an email, go for a walk. Um, uh, and the wisdom to know the difference between what we can and can't can do. Uh, yeah. control. Yeah. And then it, uh, attend to family and friends. But you say it's also important to have that time alone. Solitude is important. Yeah. Like, for example, um, uh, the walk, um, I, I, you know, a lot of people would prefer to do that walk solo on their own. Uh, maybe the dog could be allowed, <laughs> but um, to kind of limit it to that. Um, uh, what we were talking about, green areas and maybe a walk in the park or, or even a visit and to sit by the park. There's a beautiful park in Kentuck that I would go to. Um, now and again, and um, the river as good as flows through it. And um, it's lovely and peaceful to hear the water flowing by and one is in a green area and, uh, you know, that has an awful lot yeah. going so, for it. So you're surrounded by nature. We mentioned about, you know, doing fun things, organise uh, something, and then relying on, on friends. I mean, share with somebody you trust. Absolutely, and the big thing there would be trust. Um I mean, uh, you know, we need to know who we're talking to from a point of view that if it's something um, personal and if it's something, um, you know, that we wouldn't want discussed on Saturday night um, in the pub, well, then we need to know who we trust. And, of course, that's where the psychotherapy um, profession comes in, that um, uh, confidentiality would be like, um, you know, top of the list and um, you know that um, that when you share um, in that kind of professional setting it's never um, it's not going to go any further it's not okay exactly. and then I'm, I'm watching the time because I want to get through all these these tips mm. I mean that's and then relying on friends and, and ask ask for the help and, and that's important to, to ask for what you need where we can be good at helping other people but slow to actually ask for ourselves yeah, I mean, I've heard some amazing stories of a person going round and round and round in a town or in a city, um, but I, I wouldn't ask for directions. I know, yeah. And I couldn't understand yeah. that at all. Isn't I that mean, a male thing, though? A man will never ask for directions, a woman will. Right. Yeah. Well, then, um, my feminine side must be quite <laughs> strong because I've no problem asking for directions. Yeah, so ask, yeah. ask for help when you need it. Also, yeah. the ability to be able to say no, that can be hard for people. I think that's very important. I, I, I really do. I mean, look, life is stressful and life is stressful enough without maybe attending things that you really don't want to. Now, I mean, there are certain things that are difficult and but that you feel an obligation, a duty, as it were, um, to go to. Fair enough. But, I mean, um, you know, 
we don't have to say yes to every tittle-tattle yeah. invitation about this, that or the other thing. Um, uh, you know, and there are ways of saying no, which doesn't Politely, mean... yeah, you don't, ha- you exactly. don't, you don't, have, you to don't have to hurt an offend. And get, do away with toxic people in your life. We don't need toxic people. Absolutely. I mean, if someone, if, if your nickname in your own head for someone is doom and bloom, well, you know, stay away as much as you can. Because, um, they, you know, you're not going to come away feeling better um, after having um, a conversation with a person who is negative, negative, negative. Um, it, it doesn't help. Yeah. It doesn't help. We and do then, enough of that to ourselves without getting help. And and try and take up some kind of a, an interest or, or indulge in a hobby. We were only talking earlier on about ukulele classes are going to start in Mallow. But maybe take mm. up, you know, painting, whatever it is. I, whatever I know you're, it is. I know you're a yeah. big fan of golf. Uh, you know, indulge your hobby yeah. or t- t- take on something new. Yeah, my cousin Mary now goes to, um, it's called Singing for the Brain. Yeah. In uh, in Fermoy, yeah, I, they, they were on. Yeah, they did a feature on it on, on I think it was on, on the news or on Nationwide last week. They had a gathering oh, in Cork. Okay. Yeah. I missed that. Uh, yeah, but I, I, I recall that program. Yeah, so it's, I'll a, have a look it's, at it. it's a great idea. It's a great yeah, idea. It's a great idea. It. Yeah. Okay, and then have had, uh, what we spoke about earlier is reflected again. Having something to look forward uh, to, but also be mindful of gratitude. Absolutely, because there's very few days in our life that there isn't something to be grateful for. I find at night that, um, you know, I, I lie in bed, um, I probably have a novel, um, and uh, I'm comfortable, thank God, there's a roof over the head, and um, I've had a meal that day, um, and, and I say thanks for that, because that's not an automatic, you know. Um, uh, there are... There are literally millions of people in the world um, who would who 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 would love to have that, and um, so it doesn't have to be gratitude for something wonderful. Um, you know, we needn't have won the lottery that particular day, but um, we have to. There's can, there's no day goes by that there isn't something, something that we can we be grateful, can for. Be grateful yeah. for. As some would say, for throwing your legs out of the bed in the morning and getting up. Sometimes that can yeah. just be enough. OK, yeah. listen, we leave it there. Have a great week. We'll talk next Tuesday. Thanks, Patricia. And thanks a million. Good words Thank of wisdom you. today. That's our own Joe Heffernan uh, dealing with stress. 086-834-8145. He runs a counselling practice in uh, Boherbui. Uh, that's where I leave you for today. Thanks to uh, Bernie Murphy for producing. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon and we'll be back with you for Wednesday's edition of the programme tomorrow morning at 10. Until then, I'm Patricia Messenger. A very good afternoon. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Support comes from ServiceNow the AI platform for business transformation. You've heard the hype around AI. The truth is, AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. ServiceNow is the platform that puts AI to work for people across your business, removing friction and frustration for your employees, supercharging productivity for your developers, 
providing intelligent tools for your service agents to make customers happier. All built into a single platform you can use right now. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Visit servicenow.com slash AI for people to learn more. 